on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Me and social media director Spencer, the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Uh, we're here coming to you live from Spencer's studio, also known as The Wisden, and Chris Magnum Chapman, who also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network, is producing the show back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. The reason, once again, is uh, two and a half years ago, we were kicked out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio uh, due to the pandemic, and guess what? We're still kicked out. Hopefully one day we'll get back in. I want to get that out of my open, man. Let's get back in the studio um, and, uh, you know, get going. But uh, that's got us all working remotely. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. On Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And don't forget to ask about the new incredible discounted payment options on move-in ready Wedgwood homes available right now all over Las Vegas. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights are only a week away from the start of their preseason schedule and time to speculate on who will be the first line. It's going to be some interesting takes in that. Interested what Mags has to say. Uh, The Aces are in the WNBA Finals, as we all know, which will be starting in just a couple of hours from right now at the Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay. Will um, they bring home Vegas' first ever major professional sports championship. We'll give you our take. UNLV played until the final gun at Cal yesterday and came up only a few yards short of winning their first two games of the season for the first time in a while. We, the Las Vegas Raiders, I should say, are set to kick off one uh, week one in just a couple of hours, man. Pretty darn cool. I know we've all been anticipating this big time, and they'll be in uh, they'll be in uh, Los Angeles to play uh, the Chargers' uh, divisional rival. These two teams could finish one, two, or three, four in uh, in this year's AFC West, the best division in football. We'll, we'll break that all down for you as well as the Week One matchups. A little while uh, too, we'll have uh, former NFL players Napoleon McCallum and Michael Blankston. They'll be joining the show to talk about the first of four NFL Grudge Match golf tournaments uh, that are going on this year, and we're going to be giving away an opportunity for two people to play with me this coming Saturday at the very first one of the season. It is the grudge match uh, Raiders versus the Arizona Cardinals. That's going to be interesting, and we'll talk about that a lot shortly. Uh, plus, the Las Vegas Aviators report, uh, they're getting ready for their final home stand of the season. If you haven't been out to a Las Vegas Aviators game, your last chance is coming up in the next week and a half, so make sure you do. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702 702- 
888-964-5720 for details on your home financing options today. And guys, before we get beginning, obviously, uh, September 11th, man, um, one of the most tragic days in um, American history uh, back 21, just 21 years ago. And uh, I think all of us, it's one of those incidences that if you were alive at that time and at an age where your memory was even working, I would say 10 years old, probably or older, uh, you, you, you probably remember the day and remember what you were doing and where you were at. And um, uh, just uh, something that none of us experienced. We just experienced a pandemic, which was new for all of us as well. But that was something that um, I don't think anybody saw coming. And I'll never forget it. I was working for CBS Sports Radio at the time in Detroit uh, when 9-11 took place. And it's actually a news outlet, um, WWJ, WXYT in Detroit. And uh, I got to tell you what, everyone was just like, you got to be kidding me. We were actually watching the monitors when the second plane hit the second tower. And um, it was it was crazy. It was one of the most incredible experiences in my life where you just sat there dumbfounded, not knowing what to do. I mean, all of a sudden, should we get in a car and go to New York? I mean, it was, it was a wild, wild day in the worst possible way in American history and um, hearts go and, and feelings go out to all the people, survivors and all of us. Cause really it was traumatic for, I think everyone in the country, even if you didn't know anybody that was affiliated in New York at the time with the, uh, you know, or I should say was involved or part of uh the tragedy it still is still affected every one of us so um you know 9-11 man a day that will be remembered in american history uh for history just incredible spence go let's go ahead man let's get to nightcap hockey players as you know are warriors they don't give up they come to play every game it's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. It does start here, and something I wanted to bring up, and I'll bring Chris in up on this, is looking at uh, you know a week away from preseason. We already know um, what the goaltender situation is going to be. It's going to be a heavy competition this year in camp to see who's going to start. I think all of us believe Logan Thompson will get the nod in the initial, at least in the opener. We'll see how he plays, how it goes, and how many games he can play and be the number one goaltender. Or One of the other guys will step in and play. We'll see what Lauren Brossois' injury uh, status is all that's coming up down the road. But Chris, right now, it's the number one line. Max Pacioretty, of course, departed. Dandenoff departed. Who is going to be on that first line? I can't imagine uh, J- Jack Eichel not being on the first line. And and, and it, it just, it, it, it's unfathomable. I got to believe he's going to be on the first line. I think Jonathan Marchessault also, based on what he did, tied his career high with 30 goals again last year, Chris. I got to believe he's on the first line. And then it's who's going to be the third guy is the question. Is it going to be Mark Stone? Is it going to be Chandler Stevenson? Is it going to be Riley Smith? To me, those three make the most sense on the other side. What do you think? Well, I'll start by saying I, I think in order to try to gauge Chris at all. Nope. Okay. All right. Okay. Blame Spencer, of course. Yeah. So um, I I, I think in order to try to guess what the first line is going to be, you kind of have to look at what he had, what, what Bruce Cassidy had in Boston and he had the dynamic scorer. That's going to be Jack Eichel. He had the the other guy who was the number two scorer who could put the puck in the net, right? I believe they called it the perfection line, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, 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 the, the Boston Bruins top line was one of the very best top lines in the entire NHL, and it began with Patrice Bergeron. 
So when you look around at the Golden Knights lineup, you say, who's the player who's the most like Patrice Bergeron? And to me, that's a guy who probably should have already won a Selkie Award, but he didn't. He was screwed out of that a couple of years ago. But Mark Stone is among the best defensive forwards in the NHL. Now, obviously, there's question marks about Mark Stone's health. But I think your your, your first line, assuming Mark Stone is fully healthy, you're going to have Jack Eichel at center. I understand Eichel and, and Bergeron were both the centers, but you know Mark Stone, obviously not a center, but he, he's still among the best defensive forwards in the entire NHL. So you're going to have Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, and then Jonathan Marshall. So that is my top line. I think you take your, your best defensive forward, your most dynamic player in Jack Eichel, and a guy who is a prolific goal scorer in, and who's not afraid to shoot in, in Jonathan Marshall. So I, I, I think that's the, the way you get the best out of the Golden Knights in this particular situation. Uh, who, who else could be on there? I, I do think Chandler Stevenson could be on there. You know, because the speed that Chandler Stevenson plays with, for, like like Chandler Stevenson, first of all, had a career season last year, but he's a guy who in the past has had chemistry with both Mark Stone and uh, some of the other guys on the team. So he's a, he's a guy who you could put up there. And the, the, the reason I don't is I think it, it we need a change. I think it's time for a change. I think you break up the misfit line. I think you, you, you kind of evolve on from that. Will it work? I don't know. Because obviously William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, and Riley Smith have, you know, obviously played some some really important minutes for the Golden Knights over the years. They've been probably the three best players that the Golden Knights have had uh, since day one. So I understand the sentiment of not wanting to break those guys up and, and the chemistry that they have. But I think we, we we need to see something different. And Brian, I I, I think it sounds crazy, but I think my second line. I'm going with Nick Waugh and not William Carlson at center. And I think you 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 maybe put Phil Kessel on one side and then Chandler Stevenson on the other. And then I think the third line you have William Carlson and Riley Smith. I'm not sure who who you put on the other who you put on the line with them. Maybe uh Amadio, I'm not sure what what we're gonna see. Who knows? Maybe Brendan Brisson will make the roster out of camp. I I really don't know. But Brian, I think right now my top six. I've got Eichel, Stone, and Marsha So as my top line. My second line is Nick Waugh, Phil Kessel, and Chandler Stevenson. And I, I think that's the way things will start. I don't know. You know, I, I mean, we can't get into the mind of Bruce Cassidy, obviously, until training camp opens and, and we see what it is exactly he wants to do. But I'm, I'm, I, I think, you know, for a team where goal scoring is going to be at a premium, I think you put your three best goal scorers on the top line. Yeah, I think I quick Chris, I, I think you're right. I think Stevenson is a guy who could be top line or second line. Like I said, I, I think Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, and Jonathan Marchesel makes the the most sense on the first line based on what they bring. And you're right, you put the best uh, defensive uh, uh, forward on one of the best in the league when he's healthy in Mark Stone, one of the best two-way players there is. And I think he got him on the first line, just hoping that line can stay healthy based on the, the recent past. And then, yeah, you, uh, you know, Stevenson on the second line, I like Nick Wass centering that. And it's funny, you could have Riley Smith and William Carlson on the third line. Who would have ever thought well, that? Well, my, my approach to that is I want that to be, because those, those guys are very good defensive forwards. 
and they're very intelligent, and they play the game the right way. They don't commit a lot of penalties. I want that to be my line to go out and shut down the opposing team's top line every night. I think that's their thinking and their reasoning. You don't you don't need those guys to go out and score 50 goals between the two of them in order to have success with that line. The way you do it is you you, you use them as a as a defensive stalwart. And I I think that's my approach. Like I said, I don't know who you put on the third line with them, but I think my top two lines are, I'm going to say, look, just go out and score goals. And then that third line with Carlson and Smith, I think I'm going to tell them, look, I want you guys to shut down the top line every single night. That's your job. I don't care about your goals. I don't care about your stats. Those two guys are both getting paid pretty well. They're both team players. They will do everything that's asked of them, and they won't complain. That's what I love about the two of them. They they won't say a word about, oh, I'm not having, I'm not scoring goals. Like th- th- Those two guys are the least likely guys to complain about something like that, especially William Carlson. He just goes out and does whatever he's asked to do. Riley Smith, the same way. Uh, you know, no, for, I, the fourth line is interesting because I, I, I feel like you don't change anything. Like, no, like, I, you don't change anything. You've got, you know, to have Carrier and Colasar on that fourth line, even though neither one of those guys maybe are as intimidating around the league as Ryan Reeves was. No, of the course two of not. Them, but... Number one, they both bring better, they're both better goal scorers than Ryan Reeves. That's yes. not saying a great deal, but they are. And they both can play physical hockey. I mean, Chris, we've seen William Carl, I mean, excuse me, William Carrier since year one. That man is brick like a is built like a brick you know what house. Yes, I mean, he yes. is a big man. And I always said if that guy, you know, somebody needs to have the um mystery Alaska speech speech with him once in a while. Like, William, you're a big guy. Say it. I'm a big guy. Yeah. I mean, he needs to do that because William Carlson, if he really threw his weight around, he could be one of the toughest guys in the NHL. Yeah. It's it's great that he he loves his wraparound, his signature move, and he uh you know he can put the puck in the net and he's hard to move off the puck, but he could be more physical as far as actually mixing things up a little bit more. But I like the fourth line. And as you said, Chris, to have guys like Carlson and Riley Smith, two of the best defensive forwards in the game playing together is great and again you know that not to be counted on to score goals is probably a great relief for them something they'll never talk about because they want to be counted on to score goals but that could kind of motivate them to say we're not being expected to score goals let's start putting the puck in the net and if we have three productive lines that all can score which there's a chance to be and somehow they they shore up the last line of defense between the pipes again this is a team once again built to compete for a Stanley Cup yeah, right now, I, a lot I, of intangibles and a lot and having to avoid the injury bug that absolutely bit them in the ass constantly last season. Yeah, that's that's obviously always going to be. I, I I can't imagine, knock on wood, that we'll ever see anything like what we saw last season. But real quick on Carrier and Colasar, first of all, I think Keegan Colasar is going to have a breakout season. Like I I feel like he's he's building up to that breakout season, and I feel like it's going to come this year. But what I like about those two guys is. They both have, Carrier and Colesart, they both have tremendous offensive upside on top of being, you know, f- physical players. I mean, their role is the the old checking line, right? Like like for those of us who've been around the game a long time, it's the checking line. Uh, and I like Brett Howden as the center on that line. I think, I think with that line, it has the potential to be sneaky, sneaky good because you have two guys in, in Carrier and Colesart who both have the ability to get to the net. It's just a matter of finishing 
when they get to the net. And, and Keegan Colasar was so close to having like a 15 goal season last year. Like, I feel like he's due. Like, I feel like he's going to break out. And Brett Howden, a former first round pick. So there's a lot of offensive upside and potential there. I feel like it's just a matter of those three guys putting it all together. But I like that fourth line because well, because because you have the two physical guys on the wing, and then you also have three guys who how are, are are still full of potential. They're they're all relatively younger players. I mean, Colas are still well on his way to to being a a, a, a longtime NHL player. But uh, you know, Brian, I, I and and we haven't even touched on it. But the strength of this team is the blue line. I mean, when when you look at the guys that the Golden Knights have on the blue line, the fact that Nick Haig is still unsigned, and you're looking at the blue line saying, you know what, that's that's a really good blue line, and you're still missing one guy who who, as of now, is not signed. I think that there there there's, there's a lot of upside there, and and I feel like it's it's one of those parts of the roster that's overlooked around the league. I mean, you're going to get Alec Martinez back, who missed like 50 games, 60 games last season because of obviously. The, the, the injury that he suffered in in uh, a game last year where he he basically was done for the for almost the entire season and getting him back was such a big boost for the team but I think having a, a an Alec Martinez in there who provides leadership uh he's obviously a, a a really good player scored a winning goal in the Stanley Cup scored a winning goal in the Western Conference Finals sorry Blackhawk fans you you all know what I'm talking about but I I think the blue line is going to be really good and I I feel like we're going to see Shea Theodore go to another level in terms of points because I feel like the opportunity he is going to get on the power play, that's the one thing. This team, fans, they're going to notice a major, major difference in the power play this year because when you talk to Bruce Cassidy about the power play, it's like asking a kid what he wants for Christmas. He goes to, to Macy's and he sits on Santa's lap and Santa's like, oh, Bruce, have you been a good boy this year? What do you want for Christmas? And Bruce is like, I want points and goals on the power play. And Santa's like, okay, that's what you're going to get because Bruce Cassidy gets giddy when he talks about the power play. So I I think that's where fans are really going to notice a big difference. Shea Theodore is going to have a monster season, Brian. Well, I think so, too. I mean, Shea Theodore, we know, is potentially a franchise player in the National Hockey When you've got a guy playing defense that is a tremendous shutdown defenseman and can also put put the puck in the net with the frequency of a guy like a Shea Theodore or Alec Petrangelo to have both those guys in the same team, pretty darn good. And, you know, last thing I'll say about this subject, Chris, is you talked about that fourth line. You're talking about a fourth line with Colasar, Carrier, and Brett Howden that has a potential to score maybe 30, 40 goals in a season on a fourth line. If you can get 30 goal production on your fourth line, you've probably got one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And again, will that happen? Who knows? But again, like you said, Colasar potentially a 15 goal scorer. I can see Carrier scoring 10 goals in a season. And Howden's a guy, I mean, who knows? The upside, that guy has potential 15 to 20 goals maybe when he gets to the peak of his ability in the NHL. I really like, I think they may have one of the the best fourth lines and most productive fourth lines in the National Hockey League if they stay healthy and they do gel together, as you said, this year. Real quickly, guys, running a little bit behind, I want to talk about UNLV football uh, briefly, but I got to say, I got to hand it to UNLV. We all know Cal is a bad football team, especially for a Pac-12 team. Let's not pull any punches there. They could be the basement dwellers of the Pac-12 this year. However, 
for UNLV to go on the road and play a Pac-12 team after, you know, coming off of a win and, uh, you know, that, that they were expected to get, I think it bodes really well for them, and especially this team was fourth down in, in the red zone, I think fourth and eight, uh, where they had a chance to go ahead in this game, and they only lose by six points on the road at Cal. That is pretty damn good. And, Chris, I don't want to get ahead of myself. And, Spence, I'll let you chime in on this well. we got to keep this brief. But, you know, I know you are taking your son to the famed uh, Golden Dome, and you're going to go see the, the UNLV play at Notre Dame this year. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but UNLV might just compete in that game. Win? No way. I don't see that at all, and I'm not going to disillusion myself or anyone else out there to believe that. But based on what I've seen in Notre Dame in their first two games after maybe their first couple drives against Ohio State last week, but to lose to a Sun Belt Conference team, which they did yesterday, we are Marshall, not the same Marshall team uh, that had once upon a time Randy Moss on it or Chad Pennington. <laughs> They're a physical football team, but my God, they should never be able to go into Notre Dame and win a game like that against a top 10 team. Uh, first time, as a matter of fact, the top 10 opponent ranked in the top 10 in the first two weeks, lost both those weeks. It's the first time it's ever happened. Of course, it happens at Notre Dame. But I got to, you know, I got to say, man, this is really a, um, a UNLV team that is different. And just a different feeling about it. I'm not going to get overly excited or hyped up. I still am not thrilled at all, and I'm the first to say it with the way, um, you know, the way that the head coach has handled the media or handled things here in that realm, the community. But the way the football team is looking right now, this is definitely an improved UNLV football team. I got to give them at least that, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, Brian, I mean, let's be honest. Going up to Cal and, and not getting a W is disappointing because, as you mentioned, they're not a great team. But... I feel like in years past, this is a game where UNLV, they probably lose like 27 to 10. It's close for a half. I mean, UNLV had an opportunity to win that game, which is probably the most disappointing because there were six opportunities last year where they lost by one score, and it seems like maybe there's a little bit of a carryover. But I will say this. Doug Brumfield is a really good quarterback. Uh, you know, when, when you watch him play, he, he just makes plays, and I think that's something that UNLV's been lacking for a long time at that position. He obviously has two really good weapons uh, on the outside. Obviously, Ricky White is, is is the guy right now, and and look, they've got a pretty good run game. I thought people were, were wondering if there was going to be a fall-off with Charles Rogers, uh, I'm sorry, Charles Williams, not being uh, back there this year. But it seems like the 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 tandem that they that they're using has been pretty solid. Look, I'm not saying look North Texas next week is is a is a pretty tough game. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good team. That's a team that's consistently a bowl team. But this is a team that UNLV needs to beat because when you're building your program and you're 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 building a winning culture, you go out and beat teams that are at the same level as you. North Texas coming to Vegas. It's I I like to call it the Caleb Herring revenge game, even though Caleb is is no, not a part of it. Well, at least on the field, he, he'll be part of it from the uh, broadcast booth with Russ Langer on the call. But 
Uh, you know, that that's the team that beat UNLV in their last bowl game, and and we know who was the quarterback in that one. So, uh, I was going to say, Chris, uh, real quickly, uh, Caleb Herring, when I've talked to Caleb several times about, you know, getting to go to a bowl game, playing how exciting it was, he has said there's little pieces of him all over the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. Out, but They got wiped out in that game. I mean, poor but, Caleb was so excited. You know, I'll never, like I said, I'll never forget when mine and Caleb's friendship developed after the Central Michigan game when I saw him doing everything he could to hold back that smile that he just wanted to let loose when he was given the starting nod in the second half and led them on a tremendous comeback to beat Central Michigan and then on their way to the last bowl appearance and um you know but he said that that uh that North Texas State game uh the mean green yeah uh, they they left green all me, over me, mean Joe green in that one turf. But uh, real quick, big day for the Sunbelt Conference, by the way, Brian, because obviously Marshall, not the only Sunbelt team to pull off a pretty big upset yesterday. Three big upsets yesterday, and we're going to talk about that in a little. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, UNLV next week, as we said, North Texas. And I'll get into that real quickly right now about college football. The Sunbelt yesterday, completely on fire. It's things you don't see happen. And, I mean, you know, it all started uh, just a huge day. Um, You know, Texas A&M. Uh, you know, number six, Jimbo Fisher has that team playing really well and looking really good this year. They had under two. They have yards no quarterback offense. 200 under 200 yards in total offense uh to an Appalachian State team 17-14 the final in that game completely unacceptable they were favored by 18 points and remember back in 2007 Appalachian State beat number 5 Michigan at that time uh when they were 33 point underdogs so Appalachian State not a stranger to big upsets out of the Sun Belt but as you mentioned I mean um for for um Marshall to beat Notre Dame 26-21 it is just gigantic to win that game on the road at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, you would figure after that loss to Ohio State, uh, man, I thought they were going to take it out. I felt bad for Marshall going in this week. Now I feel really bad for Notre Dame and more worse for their their head coach, the Ohio State alumni that's not going to have a job next year because you cannot lose the first two games at Notre Dame and especially to a Sun Belt Conference team. And then talk about the other loss. How about Nebraska, man? I mean, oh, my God. If I'm Scott Frost, I don't wait to get fired. I move out of town right now. I mean, they hate the guy. They're, they're in the paper everywhere. Uh, Spencer, you can chime in on this if you'd like about uh, about Scott Frost. But my God in heaven, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he is going to be run out of town like no tomorrow. It's not a hot seat that he's sitting on. He's sitting on lava right now in Lincoln, Nebraska. You want to talk about some of those smaller towns, too. I mean, that college football is what gets them going, gets them through their work week. So when their team's playing bad, uh, they're gone. They're gone. You're talking about, I mean, it's amazing. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know anything about Georgia Southern. I know where, they're, where they play at and uh, where they're from. But as far as the football team goes, I mean, Nebraska, wow. They're, they're looking horrible this year, worse than last year. And to give up, uh, I, I I can't imagine that uh, Georgia Southern's an offensive juggernaut, but they gave up 45 points at home to Georgia Southern. Completely unacceptable. Um, Scott Frost is going to be a in-season casualty. He has to be. they got to get that guy out of town. It's almost unfair to let him keep coaching that team. Listen, real quick, guys, again, moving on here because I want to make sure we get to everything today. You know, it is gigantic for the WNBA. It's gigantic for the city of Las Vegas. And when I say gigantic, maybe I'm overstating things a bit, but you know what? This city getting the WNBA 
people show up. I mean, Michelob Ultra Arena, if you haven't been down there for one of these games, that place rocks. And I know it only fits like a capacity of 88,000, excuse me, not 80, but 8,000 fans. It feels like about 25,000 when you're in there and that place is packed. Vegas does it right. And it is really shooting life into the WNBA. You saw up in Seattle, it's pretty popular up there. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, as they gave Sue Bird her send off when the Aces sent them packing. But I'll tell you what, um, this Aces team is fun to watch. And I, I really think, although Connecticut is playing really well as they upset the Chicago, you know, they should upset Chicago in the other semifinal, which was really surprising, winning two games in Chicago. They're not going to be easy to take down. But this Aces team, they play two ways. They have a small lineup that just gets the job done. And, you know, to me, the key to this game, you, Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray, they've got to keep playing like they, they, they do. Asia Wilson, I mean, my God, did she finally show up in the Seattle series with a vengeance. But to me, the key to this series and the key to the WNBA finals comes down to the most improved player in the WNBA this year, and it's Jackie Young. At times, Spencer, who is a big a big WNBA fan, at times, Jackie Young has been non-existent in the postseason. And at other times, she shows why she is so vehemently important to this team, especially defensively. But she has also got to produce some offensive production because there is going to be a lot of focus on Chelsea Gray in the finals. I mean, there's no question you have got to body up on her. You've got to guard her as far out on the perimeter as she is because she can beat you from everywhere. She has been absolutely out of her mind in this postseason. If they win the WNBA finals, my guess is she's going to be playoff MVP for this team and could even be finals MVP if she keeps going. But again, I still think the intangible is going to be the play of Jackie Young because really the Aces are a six, maybe seven team deep seven player team deep uh can, you know now that they've got the Erica Hamby back but you can see she's not close to 100% she's not getting a lot of minutes so really it's six players on the floor and Jackie Young's got to be dominant she she does there's no doubt about it but i mean you can't talk about the aces unless you're talking about Chelsea Gray you can throw gender out of the window like whatever you want to say about the WNBA Chelsea Gray is playing at an unbelievable level right now i mean these are some of these step backs the thing that you're seeing these are the kinds of things you see NBA players do in terms of scoring, not dunking and all that other garbage that barely, not, it's not garbage. I, I'm getting a little overly excited here. But when you look at Chelsea Gray, her ability, the players go under screens. She's stepping back, hitting threes, some unbelievably tough shots, and she's been hitting them consistently. She is the reason they're in the, NBA, the WNBA finals. And if they do win it, I bet you she's going to win finals MVP. She is playing at an MVP level. I mean, of course, Asia Wilson, it's so funny. She scores like 30 points and you still look at Chelsea Gray as like, you know, the top player of the team. And you look back, it's like, wait, Asia scored over 30 points for like three games in a row. And yet it's hard to compare the two, but their, their pick and roll is like, it's unguardable right now. They talked about it a little bit in the post game, but it's obvious, right? Chelsea Gray can score to th at three levels. You can drive the lane. She's got great handles. And then obviously if you overcommit to Chelsea Gray, you know, on the pick and roll, Asia Wilson just gets to roll and dominate. And it's just really great to see. And I think all of those tough playoff experiences that Asia's had so far in her career, so early in her career, she's basically lived in the playoffs her entire career, which is crazy. Um, all of those are coming to a head right now in this year's playoffs. It's great to see. It's good to see the players, you know, dominating right now. And I hope and I'm praying and I will be there that they get the first championship in Las Vegas. I would love to see it in first, uh, you know, firsthand account of it. Oh, no, no question about it. And I, and I think it's going to happen. Like I said, I think Connecticut might protect their home court, although Chicago won a game there. Uh, but 
I, I see when it's all said and done. It might go five. I don't think so. I think the Aces win this in four, and I agree with you. I think Chelsea Gray becomes the finals MVP. But again, I do think Jackie Young is the is the X factor in this game. And of course, Asia Wilson needs to play like Asia Wilson played in the Seattle series for the most part. And I just don't see how this team gets beat. I think they're too talented, not deep, but extremely talented six to seven players down. And again, Chelsea Gray, wow. You know, I mean, contracts will know. I don't think for a while will be what WNB players want them to be, but I think the Raiders. Uh, of course, th- today, game one for the Raiders playing uh, the LA Chargers, who are going to be one of their rivals. The AFC West, I don't think anyone would argue the toughest division in the National Football League this year. Uh, I think uh, two wild cards will come from the AFC West. I don't know how they don't, although there's other there's other uh, divisions that'll argue about that. Um, but they just look, it, it looks like a really tough division top to bottom. And I think this game tomorrow is really going to be a telltale sign for how the Raiders will do this year. Spencer, the biggest issues on the Raiders that I see this year, obviously the offensive line. I don't think anyone was surprised that Leatherwood got got shipped out. He just never materialized in the two years he was here into the player they envisioned him when they picked him in, with their first pick a couple of years back. Um but this offensive line is worrisome because you have some of the best skilled players in the league on this team. You've got a top three wide receiver in Devontae Adams. You have a top five, if not a top three, slot wide receiver in Hunter Renfro. You've got a top five, if not a top three, tight end in Darren Waller, who, by the way, is finally getting paid, getting paid as the top tight end in the in the National Football League. They extended his contract three years. What a great move that was. I just hope he stays healthy. And he didn't have as good of a year last year as he had the year previous but basically due to injuries I hope he's he's able to step up and then in the running game I mean you know Josh Jacobs I mean we've seen his potential but they've got some depth at running back maybe not great and Derek Carr this is Derek Carr's years really to shine and to show what he can do he's been given all the weapons granted he might have to do a little bit of scrambling with the offensive line but he is expected to step up and play big time this year and The one thing I don't understand, guys, and I understand a little bit because of the suspect in the Raiders' defensive secondary and their offensive line, but how are the Raiders by far the least favored team, not only to come out of the division, but to win the championship overall? I think they're like plus 1,400, and that surprises me that Denver is that far in front of them. I understand Russell Wilson makes a great deal of difference going to Denver. I understand Denver has some really good wide receivers and a good running game, and I understand Denver has a pretty decent defense, but I just don't see how you put them in front of the Raiders in the odds category. I can see how you would have the Raiders finishing third in the AFC West. I just, I'm shocked that they've got them finishing fourth in the AFC West when they made the playoffs last year and damn near play beat uh, the team that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl and the Cincinnati Bengals. Spencer, why are they ranked so low? And I've got a. at the defensive line there's not exactly a hole there 
when you look at the Chargers specifically, well, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. So I just I don't see them winning a single game against the Chargers this year. I, I really can't see them winning against the Chiefs. They haven't done it in forever. They get dominated. So now you're talking about four losses right there already off the bat, meaning that they have to be near perfect for the rest of the season just to get a chance at the playoffs. That's a problem, you know, and I think that might be the biggest problem. I think that might be the reason why they're so low on the list. That alone, I mean, if you, again, think about it, four losses right there I'm talking about before the season starts. Now you have to play the game, obviously, but I just don't see it happening. The first game is like the special circumstance, right? The most embarrassing, like a really embarrassing way to go out and miss the playoffs last year. They had a chance to tie. They gave them the opportunity. They didn't take it, right? And the Raiders went and go on to the playoffs and compete against the Bengals team. And that's going to be fresh on their mind. So the Raiders are probably going to get dominated today, like no doubt about it. Now, if they win, I'll have a completely different tune this week. But like I said, I could see that happening. And when you're starting against the eight ball so hard, it's hard to make the playoffs. They barely did it last year. I have no idea how they did. And with all this new uncertainty, no offensive line, like not the bottom five offensive line, probably a bottom five cornerback team in a division with Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes, I, I can't see it happening in reality as much as I want it to, trust me. Yeah, it, 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 it is going to be a really tough matchup this afternoon. I'm looking for. of the NFL, and that's really surprising when you think of guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes for that to be even be boasted about, but I'm not making it up. I heard Steve Young say that flat out last year that in a couple of years, Josh, uh, or excuse me, uh, um, the, the Chargers quarterback will be Justin Herbert, will be uh, the face of the NFL. I don't know about that, but I do think he is going to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback throughout his career if he stays healthy, and the upside of this kid we saw last year is absolutely gigantic, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens today. I think the Raiders are going to compete in this game. I think it's going to be close. I do think that they're going to win the game. I don't know why. You know, again, I'm going out on a limb here. I know I'm probably alone other than a lot of diehard Vegas uh, Raiders fans that believe that. But I think the Raiders do match up decently against the Chargers. And I think the fact that everyone does expect the Chargers to win this game and probably by a touchdown plus that bodes well for the Raiders where they can sneak in and get a victory against a team they know very very well they play them twice every year we'll talk a little bit more NFL in a little while I wanted to mention I don't know uh the um the NFL grudge match that is uh we've talked about the last couple of weeks and as a matter of fact um 702-876-1340 you can give that number a call in a little while just keep that handy uh, I'll tell you when to call we will be giving away a twosome to play this coming week weekend in the NFL grudge match. It's uh, the Raiders play their first home game of the season, their first regular season game against the Arizona Cardinals. And um, Magali Fernandez, who puts this together, does an amazing job with these grudge matches. And this is the first of four this year. Really exciting about the, this one here in particular. And uh, let me get my, my earphone back in my, my ear so I can hear the caller coming up. But uh, really excited about this one in particular um, that is happening this this coming week. And it's going to it's going to um, benefit the Wheelchair Foundation, uh, it, which is something's great. And it, again, it helps raise money for charities, for awareness. They give away trips. So much goes on at this. And you get the opportunity to meet and play with some great NFL alumni on either side. This week, two of the participants that will be in this grudge match are joining the show now. I hope on YouTube as well. I mean, on, on video as well, Spence. One, one on video, one on audio. Okay, we got one coming up on video, one on audio. Um, join, join now on uh, out of line. Welcome. We want to welcome in Napoleon McCallum, former Raider, two-time All-American at the Naval Academy, uh, one of the the, the the best 
running backs in the history of collegiate football. If you haven't seen Napoleon McCallum, go back and watch some of this guy's game, Phil. Also, one of the most horrific injuries in the history of the NFL. If you don't remember that, I'm not going to talk too much about it because simply Napoleon probably has to deal with that conversation in every interview he has. I know I've had Napoleon on other shows before, and of course, that subject's been beaten to death. So we'll, we'll talk about it briefly. And also join uh, Michael Blankston, former uh, Arizona Cardinal. We've got the rivalry going on, guys. Welcome to Out of Line. Hey, thank you for having us. Okay. Napoleon, uh, first of all, I know you've lived in Vegas for a little while. You've been calling this place home. Um, how cool is it for you to see your former team now playing in your in your current hometown? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so fantastic. We just had a Raider alumni uh, reunion, 300. Former players came in, and we just had a great time just uh, rehashing, you know, our uh, our time together as a Raider. And, and you know, you, you had you had a, a tremendous opportunity to play for the Raiders at one time. Um, just such a storied franchise. You got to meet the, the legend in Al Davis and now his son Mark taking over this team. This is one of the most historic, storied franchises. And, you know, I couldn't think of when I, you know, when I first got to Vegas back in 04, I knew one day as the population continued to grow, they would have professional sports franchises. I did think initially it would be basketball just because basketball kind of made this town sports wise with UNLV, uh, but it turned out to be hockey. And then of course the Raiders coming to town. But when I think about all the franchises in the national football league, I can't think of a better fit for a team than the Raiders in Las Vegas. No, it, it's a it's a fantastic fit. Uh, the fans have embraced uh, Vegas, and you know it, it, it's just a short drive for all those people who were in L.A. and um, a short flight for Oakland people to come in here. And it, it you know, if anything, I think the the fan base has has grown. Um, you know, the uh, Raider Nation is as strong as ever. No question about it. I want to ask, and I also want to bring Michael uh, Blankston in in a second, but Napoleon, you've played in these grudge matches before. I've seen you out there last year. Um, uh, Magali Fernandez does such a great job putting this together for charity, for the Las Vegas community, and to get everyone really involved in the NFL and to bring people like yourself, uh, Jay Schrader, uh, you know, again, both you guys, Napoleon and Michael, this is really cool. Napoleon, talk about this uh, grudge match, uh, the, the history of it, but more or less the one coming up uh, this coming weekend. Well, it, it's just a, a fantastic opportunity to, to meet some of your um, favorite football players in an environment that's different. Um, we're all out there uh, struggling to hit the ball around the course. Um, and, you know, we uh, tell stories and uh, it's it's a great one-on-one -on -one opportunity uh, with some of the with a lot of the players and to, to relive the history when the guys aren't so guarded and um, you know they're just out there having fun and and you know we're all retired and we love telling our big uh, our big stories about how we played in the NFL so this is just a, a great time. 
Oh, it really is. And, and, and again, getting to meet the guys get to come out there and meet meet you guys. Enjoy yourselves. I saw the all the alumni at the last NFL game. It was great. Want to bring in Michael Blankston now as well. Michael, the visitors coming in here. The Cardinals, uh, and you got to represent, man. I mean, some teams have fared well against the Raiders alumni. Some teams have not. What are you predicting? Uh, you know what? Right now, I hope it's a prelude to what's going to happen uh, on Sunday when we have our grudge match on Saturday, but the biggest thing is for a good cause, you know, being able to get back in the community and give charity. That's what we do. I know Napoleon does a lot of that. I do a lot of that. So it's an opportunity to give back, but you know what? It's an opportunity to see the camaraderie that we have for former players in the uh, NFL and getting together and just enjoying themselves and doing it for a good cause. So you can't beat it. Uh, but again, you know, he's for the Raiders. I'm for the Cardinals. And I hope the Cardinals win at the end of the day. I know that you do it. If you want to sign up for the tournament, everyone out there, go to www.celebritygrudgematch.tv. Spencer's got it up on the screen right now. You can sign up. Five days left. They've got the pairings party Friday night. The grudge match itself takes place Saturday. And then, of course, the Raiders have played the Cardinals at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Uh, Michael, a great event out here. What I, I see you're outside right now in Vegas. I'll, I'll pose the same question I posed to Napoleon a little bit ago. Is it amazing? We are sitting here in Las Vegas. Now, granted, there's a game that the Las Vegas Raiders are playing in today, but it's in L.A. But can you believe you're in Las Vegas and we're talking professional football and a franchise right here? And not only that, one of the most beautiful stadiums, maybe in the world, sitting right here along along the uh, 15 highway. Hey, you know what? I had an opportunity to be at that stadium, and it is a beautiful stadium. And and uh, a hats out to Vegas bringing an NFL team there. Uh, and then no better team to bring than the Raiders because they bring a lot of people. Uh, it's a lot of Raiders fans around the world. And, uh, you know, again, we're just looking forward for that opportunity. But when you're competing, and we've been in the competing aspect for many years playing football, and it's just that time of the season. Yeah, you know, they're getting ready to play the Chargers. We're getting ready to play the Chiefs. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big-time uh, atmosphere around Vegas. It's a big-time atmosphere around Arizona, but it's a big time atmosphere around the league. Teams are getting ready to prepare themselves to see who's going to make it a Super Bowl. And you guess what? The Super Bowl is coming to Arizona. So I'll see all you guys in Arizona <laughs> at the end of the year. So don't get it twisted. And the big city will be the state of Arizona at the end of the day. But again, looking forward to playing those guys. I played against those guys. We played against each other. It was just, again, you know what? It's going to be a great grudge match. The guys are going to have some fun. We're going to just enjoy ourselves. And at the end of the day, it's for charity. And we're all, you know, in that aspect of giving back to the community. No question about it. You can still sign up. Uh, Magali says there's foursomes available. Get involved. Check out the website. Look at the screen right now and uh, definitely participate if you can. And no question, Michael Napoleon, we appreciate you joining the show. I, I got to get before I let the two of you go. Um, and first of all, Michael, real quick, I know the Super Bowl's in Arizona, but don't forget, we're only a year away from the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas, too. So we're getting it here. You're getting it there. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I want predictions on uh, the, the, um, the game today and next week. Uh, we'll start with you, Michael. How about uh, the game today for the Raiders? I know you're a Cardinals fan, so I'll let you pick the Cardinals game. Cardinals, big game with the Kansas City Chiefs coming in there. Hey, I do, hey Brian, I do a lot of radio show, and um, it's going to be a tough game for the Cardinals. Uh, we're missing a lot of key players. Our secondary is beat up. Uh, uh, 
J.J. Watt. We got also D. Hops out of there. So we're going to see how they gel. Kyler Murray didn't play any during the preseason. We're going to, and most of his 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 getting to know and understand his new players is during practice. We'll see how they come out in the game. Yes, I got to go for the Cardinals, but it's going to be a difficult win. Now the Chargers have have uh, have made some changes, and they're going to be a tough team. But I I, uh, I got to give you guys credit for bringing uh, uh, Adams in there for uh, from. Um, um, from Green Bay, okay, yeah. so you guys got a great team. Y'all won every preseason, even though every preseason game doesn't count. But y'all showed that y'all can win and y'all can score and put points on the board, and you can stop stop other teams, and that's huge. So I will give you hats out that you guys are winning today against the Chargers. But next week when we play the Cardinals, I'm going for the Cardinals. I'm letting you know that right now, Brian. Well, you know, the one thing I will say about the Cardinals, your points were very well taken. But Kyler Murray, as we've known. You know, he's a small guy. I mean, small in stature, but tremendous in talent. But that, what it does, it seems to wear on him as the season goes on, and his statistics show that. But we're at the beginning of the season right now with a fresh body, didn't play a lot in the preseason. So Kyler Murray is as dangerous as anyone in the league in the first eight weeks. And this is one of the first weeks. So I look forward to it. And, of course, I don't think people can overstate how much losing Tariq Hill means to the Kansas City Chiefs. Tariq Hill was just not a wide receiver. He is a three-way player. And when I say three ways, he can run the ball, he can catch the ball, and if you need a guy on special teams to light it up, throw him back there in a crucial situation, he could run back a punt for you. That's what they just gave to the Dolphins, and that is a huge loss for Kansas City, more than most people are talking about. But I think Arizona will bode well in this game today. Napoleon, I'll bring you in for the final word. Raiders, Chargers, today in L.A., who wins and why? Well, the, the Raiders are going to win this game. I, you know, if you saw during the preseason, they're, they're a different Raiders team. They're, they're more disciplined. Um, they just got it together. And then, you know, when you listen to those guys do interviews, um, their, their, their heart and their mind is into it. And so I'm going on those intangibles uh, and that's why I got the the Raiders um, winning big time today. Uh, I, 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 I've got them winning, too. Most of my friends, I was on a show on Fox on Heatwave Sports last night from 10 to midnight with Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton, and they're all picking the Chargers today. I'm going with the Raiders. I think the Raiders, and, and it's not a homer pick at all. I think their skill positions match up well, and again, I think they're going in there with not a lot of pressure on them because the odds all say the Chargers are going to win the game, and that usually bodes well for a team. You guys both know that is locker room material, man, and locker room <laughs> material bodes really well when you when it translates onto the field when you use those things locker room. Again, joined by Napoleon McCallum and Michael Blankston. Really appreciate the two of you guys joining the show and look forward to seeing you both out next weekend. Uh, at the first NFL grudge match. Hey, thank you, Brian. Hey, Napoleon, get ready. Uh, this is a, a, a grudge match, and I'm coming to win. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure you're going to do your best, but good luck. <laughs> Appreciate you both. Once again, Napoleon McCall and Michael Blankston joining the show. The NFL grudge match first of the season is next weekend. A call right now, 702-876-1340. Your chance. I'll take caller number seven, let's say, to win uh, the um, twosome, and you'll get to play with me next week. And that is not a prize, trust me. Uh, you better be good golfers if you're playing with me, or we have absolutely no chance. Guys, real quick, moving on. I really enjoy talking to those guys. I didn't want to b- beat up Napoleon with uh, the knee injury, but if you haven't seen it all, I'll say, is 
Google Napoleon McCallum and check out what happened to him and what ended his career. You know, when he left the Naval Academy at that time, he was the leading rusher all time in collegiate uh, football. Reggie Bush passed him up a few years later, or I should say several years later. But um, Napoleon McCallum was a two-time All-American. Of course, he had to do the four-year stint and leave the NFL and then come back. He just had gotten his start. Marcus Allen retires. He's now the guy in the backfield. First game of the season against the 49ers, and Ken Norton Jr. jumps on his back, and literally his knee, his foot stayed planted to the ground, and he was face first on the ground. So that means his knee hyperextended as much as anybody can, ripped everything out of his knee. And I will tell you this. I asked Napoleon McCallum on a show uh, a while ago, um, a couple years back, I asked him about uh, when did he know how bad the injury was. And he said when they were wheeling him in to surgery after the game with his uniform still on, and they were saying, and he, and he was asking the doctor, he said, how long do you think I'm going to be out? And the doctor said, Napoleon, I think we're going to be able to save your leg. And he said that's when he realized how serious the injury was. It yeah, was you, uh, to me, worse than Joe Theismann's, the worst I've ever seen. Guys, listen, we're running really low on time. Let's break down the NFL, uh, the, you know, the NFL Raiders game first. And I'll give you guys both the chance to chime in on this game, what you think is going to happen. Of course, Real Spencer put on the screen, you saw the Josh Allen and, uh, and um, my God, that first game against the Rams. I think that told us a lot. Um, I do think Buffalo is the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl. I think that team is stacked both offensively and defensively. The their skilled positions are second to none, and Josh Allen just might be the best quarterback of the National Football League. Who would have thought that a couple of years ago, the way Patrick Mahomes was going? Not that Patrick's not right there, but Chris, I'll start with you. Who wins this game in L.A. and why? Well, I I, I hate to say it, but I, I feel like it's a Charger win. Uh, they're they're going to have payback on their mind from last year. Um, look, obviously... <laughs> the Raiders the Raiders could have played it where both them and the Chargers made the playoffs so I think I think the Chargers are probably still a little bit seething about that uh if you were at that game I mean I, I I'll be honest I didn't get to a ton of games last year but I got to that one and that was one of the very best NFL football games I think I've ever seen in my life I mean Justin Herbert is is an incredible incredible quarterback and look Derek Carr is is, is so vastly underrated as a quarterback but I like the Chargers at home. I, I think it's a revenge game for them, and that's not that's not a, that's not going to be a, a, a you know a, a dialysis on the Raiders' season. Um, I I feel like look one game is not going to of seventeen is not going to make uh, or break their season. But I feel like this is this is a Chargers win. They're they're angry. They've they've had an entire off season to think about it. So uh, I think it's a close game. But I think at the end, I think the Chargers end up winning. Spence. I unfortunately think this is not a very close uh, football game. I think the Chargers come out with a statement. Not to say that that's the end of the Raiders' season. It's just that there's too much emotion going into it. Although the one advantage is that there is no home field advantage for the LA Chargers. It's a Raider home game. Going to be more Raiders fans there. I think there'll be I think there'll be just as many Raiders fans as Chargers fans. Although there are Chargers fans growing all over the country, Spence and, and Chris, based on what they did last year and seeing that this is an exciting up and coming football team with a very dynamic defense and a very uh, uh, talented quarterback, a young talented quarterback with some really good skill position players. Austin Eckler, uh, when he is healthy, I know he's kind of a scatback, but a great running back, and also of course uh, Keenan Allen, really good on the outside as wide receiver. Listen, we are at a time. Don't forget Aviators Tuesday night. They're home for their final 12-game homestand of the season. 
get out there and check out the Las Vegas ballpark next week. Raiders start their season, their home season, I should say, their first game at home against the Cardinals. And don't forget the NFL grudge match. Check it out. Definitely sign up for that. You will have a great time. It is awesome. Meet a ton of NFL alumni players, chance to win trips to Cancun, and uh, just, just an all-around great time to really welcome the NFL to the city of Las Vegas. And uh, listen, we are out of time. Uh, wow. All I can say is, wow, I'll leave you with this. Name the four people, the four players left in the U.S. Open uh, tennis tournament. You can't name the four. There's three left because one, the woman won last night. Number one player in the world. I didn't even recognize her. I know Chris knows. Frank Harnish would smack me if he could reach down here. But I didn't recognize any of the four finalists in the U.S. Open. That's the first time I can say that. 